Good morning. Topic today. We uh, came close to this topic in our Saturday study. We were going through the law, and there was uh, in the next chapter, after the chapter we're in, in Deuteronomy, there will be, I'll reference a verse in the next chapter, but the topic today, and it'll be um, one that we all like to think about, I think, uh, the topic is love. And so it's pretty easy to know one of the chapters we're going to be going to. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I, of course, should not be preaching on this. I have little uh, successful experience in the topic. Um, I've been the beneficiary of some of love through the years, but I don't perform very well when it comes to enacting some of the things that are presented here. So we're going to talk about that, and then I will have sort of a surprise turn after we get through these verses because there's another portion I'd like to read that uh, will sort of, in some ways, set this passage on its head. But let's start. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, let's stop for a minute. Let's pray first, and then we'll get started. Father, we're thankful for your word. Instruct us from your word, not from my opinions, not from the things that of my experience, but from your word. Help us take in your word and apply it to our lives that we might uh, understand more of what love is or is not, that we might uh, glorify the Lord Jesus and your heavenly Father in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I read this passage, I want to... Okay, show of hands. How many people know who Tina Turner is or was? I say was. Why do I say was? Because within the last few months, Tina Turner died. She was living in Switzerland. She had a song that talked about love, and the song was this. What's love got to do with it? It's just a secondhand emotion. Back in the 80s, for those that are a little older, back in the 80s there was a singing group called called Foreigner. And this is their song. I want to know what love is. For those who are a bit older yet, uh, how many of you, show of hands, how many of you have heard of or heard uh, this person sing, Nat King Cole? Okay. Nat King Cole uh, sang a song called Nature Boy. And at the end of this song, uh, this is what he said about it. Uh, in the song, it's uh, this boy. He was a strange boy, according to the song. At the end of the song, it says, the greatest thing you'll ever learn 
is to love and be loved in return. The theme of that song. Okay, how many of you know who Diana Ross it was? Okay, I think she's still living. Diana Ross. What the world needs now is what? Love, sweet love. That's the only thing. There's much too little of. There's another song that I'm going to make reference to here in a little bit uh, by Stephen Curtis Chapman that I'm not sure that the word love is used in the song, but it is a very good song that talks about it. There are some questions you'd have about love. Is love an emotion? Is it an action? Uh, is it a combination of the two? There are uh, some things that would tell me that uh, emotion is involved. Early in the Bible, Genesis 29 and verse 20, the story of Jacob. It says that Jacob served seven years for Rachel, the younger daughter, and they seemed only a few days for him, to him because of the love he had for her. Sounds like an emotion to me. Um, First Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read some verses and then we'll and talk a little bit about them. I'm glad in some ways that Kate's not in here because she <laughs> you can probably ask her later about my failures <laughs> in being a loving husband. And she would I'd ask that you not question her too deeply because she might be tempted to to lie. Because she would be nicer to me than the truth would be, would be different. Okay, it is interesting to me that the King James Version doesn't use the word love, it uses the word charity. Now, charity is a word that is not very uh, attractive or it doesn't make my heart flutter like love does. Charity is thought of as a sort of a, you ever, have you ever been called a charity case? Have you ever thought of people as a charity case? Well, that's like, well, we'll leave it there. You know what I mean. But they use the word charity in the King James Version instead of love. But we'll use the word love because it is very attractive for things like marriage ceremonies and things like that. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have a, the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Here we get into the meat of the thing. Love suffers long and is kind. 
But in my notes, I have here, and that's supposed to be at the same time. When I suffer along, it's usually I'm just on the edge, just on the edge of cutting loose. But it says, and be kind. I could be kind later. But being kind at the same time I'm being suffering along, that's a hard job. Okay. Reading on and is kind. Love does not envy. Vines, that's a little book I've got at home, and you some of you probably have it too. It's a, a uh, dictionary of Bible words and their meaning, and they're it's tied to the Strong's Concordance, but uh, envy. What is envy? Vine says, the feeling of displeasure produced by witnessing or hearing of the advantage or prosperity of others. I would guess, and probably no Christian would be this way, of course, but somebody in California won the Powerball lottery and received, before taxes, somewhere close to a billion dollars. I would guess that probably there are there were a few people, neighbors, friends, relatives uh, of this person that were close to being consumed with envy. Disappointed that uh, it was them and not, that received it and not themselves. But envy is, uh, is displeased when things good happen to somebody else. That is not an attractive uh, thing. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Puffed up uh, is more like uh, being boastful, self-aggrandizing. Uh, this one about uh, parading itself I think of the Pharisees. They, uh, they paraded in the marketplace. They prayed uh, to be seen of men. Here's another one. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 says, no, not, yes. Well, this is a good verse. It's, not, it's, out, of, it's out of place here, but I'm going to read it anyway. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20 says this, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God was pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to, rec to be reconciled to God. That does not uh, attract, uh, that is not applicable to this part of the verse, but I have it written down here. I'm sure it was there for some reason. But I think of... Uh, Jesus said, he, he said, uh, when you do, do good deeds, when you do your alms, don't do it to be seen of men, because uh, in doing that, uh, you have your reward. And that's what parading yourself is, to uh, make sure that people know. 
that you're doing good things. Uh, in a lot, there, I know there's going to be a, uh, some of you have probably heard of it, there's going to be what would call, be called a fundraiser in Atlantic in the near future. Uh, I think they call it Vision Atlantic or something like that. There's some uh, person who's dead and gone who, who left a large sum of money to be granted to communities for, for different things. And so there will be a fundraiser, and they have several categories that you can, that you can give money in. And for some reason, names can be associated with the level of your giving. I know the hospital had one a few years ago, and the people that gave up here, <laughs> they were like a gold sponsor. Uh, then there are silver sponsors, bronze sponsors, <laughs> dirt sponsors. <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> Have a name associated with your good deeds. Love doesn't do that. It just does. Oh, no, now Kate's here. <laughs> Oh, this is tough. Okay, <laughs> the next one. Does not behave rudely. Love does not behave rudely. Discourteous. Tending to belittle or shame another. still in verse 5, does not seek its own. And we all know this person, or we have been this person, where they come to us and they're talking to us about some perhaps problem they've got. And somehow or other, I'm not loving enough to patiently listen to them. Event, somehow or other, I turn the conversation into being a conversation about me instead of the person that has the issue. Does not seek its own. It's not a loving thing to do to always turn the conversation, sort of like the, uh, another song, I think it's uh, Toby Keith that sang that song. Let's talk about me. Let's talk about me. Okay, that hurts. My, my toes. <laughs> my shoes must be too small. is not provoked and thinks no evil. The King James Version puts uh, not easily provoked. Well, in the, original, in the original, easily is not there. 
I'm thinking somebody that was involved in the King James translation had a problem with uh, their temper and couldn't quite abide having there be, uh, it say, not provoked. They had to insert easily. You know, I'm not easily provoked, but, you know, if you get so far, eventually, I'm provoked. But it says not provoked. Uh, Vines defines that as to raise to anger. Somewhere in there, you're going to find some pride involved uh, because we get provoked because someone has uh, done something or reacted to us in a way that that uh, diminishes our self-esteem. That's another word for pride, by the way, self-esteem. Uh, we're just proud. Okay. Are you in pain yet? Okay. <laughs> Let's keep going. Here's one. Thinks no evil. Okay. What does that mean? Does that mean you're supposed to, if you're really a loving person, you're just gullible, easily taken advantage of? No. But I would put it this way. You're not willing to assign evil motives without proof. Assume an act of others. Their intentions are good, especially when it comes to believers. We do a disservice to our brothers and sisters when we assign negative motives to others who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, being guided by the Holy Spirit, children of God, and somehow or other, we think that we have a corner on obedience to the Holy Spirit, but our brothers and sisters who offend us in some way uh, have done that with a spirit that is not, uh, well, we, we think evil of them. Does not rejoice in iniquity, verse 6, but rejoices in the truth. And here's one. I've had conversations with a couple people about this. Uh, something that I think I have a problem with, and I try not to have that problem, but I'm not successful always, and that's what I call caustic humor. Practical jokes. I don't have a problem with practical jokes and a little bit of, you know, uh, needling people a little bit in the right motive. But sometimes caustic humor gets a little out of hand and we hurt other people. Unintentionally, of course. We need to ch take a check on that sometimes because it can, it can be that way. We're without intention we rejoice in iniquity and that is uh, that's one of the things that I apply here seven 
bears all things, believes all things. Again, I'll say, that doesn't mean you have to be gullible. That doesn't mean put up with everything. Uh, but again, be unwilling to assign negative motives or characteristics without facts to confirm it. Again, recognize that when it's believers, they also are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. This is something that uh, this will sound a bit unkind, but I think sometimes it's important for the person that comes up here and preaches or any place where they have a guy that gets up and preaches to recognize that for the most part, the people they're preaching to, if they're believers, are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. They uh, answer to God, and so um, it's inappropriate for us to think that we are have the authority to straighten them out. We should let God do that. We can preach the word and let God straighten them out if they need straightening out. There have been Christians in my past <coughs> that have, and if you've re read this, read uh, The Tale of Two Cities, there is a scene in that where this sort of applies, where the guy uh, does a great thing because some woman who he, uh, who has been kind to him and believes the best of him, he does a heroic act by going and taking a person's place in prison because this woman thought that highly of him, though he was a scoundrel. There are Christians in my life, in my past, before I was a Christian, even after, that inspired me because they believe all things, hope all things, endure all things, because they believed that Ned Brown could be something for Jesus. I didn't give them any reason to think that. But they believed it. At least they convinced me that they believed it. Verse 8. Love never fails. And then it goes on, it talks about prophecies and all these gifts. All that stuff's gone or going, but love never fails. Now is where I'm going to turn this thing on its head. You've been thinking about this, all these characteristics of love as things we should display. And it is true, we should display all these things in our lives as Christians. <coughs> But another passage I'll be reading from here in a minute, 1 John chapter 4, it tells us, God is love. 
What is God like? I know Doug mentioned it in his first hour when the Israelites were hearing from God. They heard a voice from God. And they said, we're afraid of him. Moses, you go talk to him. Come back and tell us about him. But we're afraid. We don't want to die. We don't want to hear from God directly. Let me read you something that really has been troubling me, troubling me <laughs> for several weeks. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says this in verse 4. And there were some references to this earlier when we were reading about other things God had promised his enemies, how destruction was coming, and he said all these good things are going to happen to those that love me. Let me read just a couple verses in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one. And this is the troubling verse. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is an ironclad indictment against Ned Brown. We talked about adultery on Saturday. Uh, terrible sin. Murder. Uh, a terrible sin. Stealing. Bearing his false witness. Terrible sins. I think this is the number one sin for the human race. God has called us, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. I will have to say that I felt guilty, even ashamed, when I started thinking about that. Because God, we know more about God because of Jesus. In that 1 Corinthians 13 passage, these are God's characteristics. These wonderful characteristics are God's characteristics. And so, I don't want a show of hands, but do you love God with all your heart, soul, and strength? If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, of course you don't. But as the believer in Jesus, do you? Do you attempt to love God? I would say I spend very little time actually loving God, but I have every reason to. I have every reason to love God, given his character. 
In Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul was talking to these people that had an idol said to the unknown God. He talked about the unknown God to them, and he said, God has done this and this and this. Creation, the one thing, and making people. And he said, the reason for all this is that they might grope for me and perhaps find me. God wants to be found. He wants to be known. And I, as a believer, spend a very small portion of my time trying to know, get to know God better. I think that is the pathway to loving God. Uh, think about it this way. Uh, in school, when I was in like second grade or something like that, we had uh, Valentine's Day and we had a little post office thing where you could have little Valentines and uh, you could get Valentines from other kids in the class. And if you had a crush on a girl, you know, it'd be great if you got a Valentine in your post office box that said some kind things. I believe, and you can debate me on this later, if you'd like. I believe that God for the Christian spends a great deal of, maybe not effort on his part because he can do anything. But personally, I think God spends quite a bit of effort on, uh, on letting me know how much he cares for me. And if I can take that in, eventually, maybe, I can love him back. Something closer to what I should. Maybe I will one day. I will when I get to heaven. But maybe one day as I get closer, I'll be able to say, I love God with at least most of my heart and most of my soul and most of my strength. But I, I believe that God uh, reminds me nearly every day of how he cares for me. Of course, we go to Calvary. We talk about Calvary when we have the first hour here and the, have the, the emblems up here. The primary uh, thing for us to know how much God loves us is to see how he sent his son to die on Calvary for us, to die for sinners that we might have a place in his presence. But God gives me little, I've, is this appropriate? Sends me little love notes every day. I was in the backyard the other day. Two little wrens flying around in my backyard. Land on a limb stick their little beak in the air and start singing. God knew that Bren was going to be there. God knew I was going to be there. Kate and I were out walking at the quarry the other day. Walking along, here's a weed off the side. I went and picked the 
top of it off and looked at it. It was it's weed, but it had flowers on it. And the construction of the thing was so intricate. Do you think God knew that I was going to take pleasure in that? I do. Wrens, flowers. The other day, <laughs> we were at the quarry. We were walking along, looked over the back. Here's a deer walking through the... You think God knew that deer was going to be there? Walking through that creek? Sunlight just right? Some weeds and grass for that deer to eat while we were watching it? You think God knew that deer was going to be there? Did he know that we were going to be there? Sunsets, music. How about music? Are you delighted sometimes by music? You think God knows that? People. <laughs> People. Sometimes they don't even have to be Christians for me to be excited about a person that I've met, conversation, uh, people. Isn't it odd how little time I've spent in my life wanting to get to know God better? so that I might love him as he's asked me to. Not asked me to, but told me to. There's a, this is, this is a, another song that speaks volumes about my Christian life. But the song is not about a Christian life, it's about a father and son you know the song. How many of you know who Harry Chapin is? Oh, got a few. Okay. Uh, Cats in the Cradle. Anybody know that song? The song is about a father and son. And when the kid is growing up, he wants to spend time with his dad. And the dad's busy. He's got business. He's going here. He's going there. So always planning for it another day. Okay, the kid grows up. The dad is retired. He's, uh, and so he's saying, when are you coming home, son? And his son answers on the phone, don't know when, dad, but we'll get together then. God wants to spend time with you, O Christian. And now I'm going to, in the last few minutes, read a few more verses in another chapter. 1 John chapter 4. 
and it doesn't need a lot of commentary because it speaks pretty well for itself. First John chapter 4, starting with verse 7. And I'll just make this comment beforehand. Until I get to heaven and can love God as I ought, I'm going to practice. I'll try to anyway. I'll try to practice on you. Because I know that God loves you. God loves you. God sent Jesus to Calvary to die for you. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, it can be sort of like David and Mephibosheth. You know, David loved Jonathan. But Jonathan was gone. And so he said, what can I do for somebody that's a descendant for Jonathan's sake? And he said, well, there's a, that Mephibosheth. Well, he's, uh, so what I'm going to do or attempt to do is to love you and to be kind to you and to do all these things because God is here in spirit, but God is not here for me to love on, okay? <laughs> so we should practice on each other. Let me read this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, we lo the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God at any time. It was If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him if He is, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he is he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. <coughs> Excuse me. But he who fears does not, has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. The only way I'm ever going to get around to loving God is when I start recognizing and understanding and taking in how much he loves me. I can't just generate love on my own. I can only love him back. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have for from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. 
Second Corinthians 5 and verse 20 says this, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is a message for those who don't know Christ as Savior, but it's also a message for those who know Christ and seem to be too busy with other things. Be reconciled to God. I get a couple more songs here. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Another song. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus because he first loved me. He died upon a cross for me. He died upon a cross for me. He died upon a cross for me and dying, he set me free. There's a song that Stephen Curtis Chapman sings and it talks, the title of the song I think is uh, Angel's Wish. And he talks, and the scripture tells about this how the prophets and the angels desire to know. There's some things that they looked into and they desire to know about Jesus and about what he did and all the promises that were made through him. And at the end of the song, he says this. He says, someday, he says, someday, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, someday in heaven, I'm going to sit down with my angel friends and I'll listen to them. They're going to tell, tell me about creation. They're going to tell me about the flood. They're going to tell me about all these things that God did. And he says, and then I will tell them. And I will tell them the story of grace. This is what you have that angels don't have. That the prophets in the Old Testament, they probably experienced grace, but they do not. They desired to know. if I really understood more of what grace did and that it was God's work, I'd spend a lot more time with God and saying, teach me. Teach me more of you. More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. Our time's up. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful that the Lord Jesus came and died for sinners. He loved us and gave himself for us that we might have a place in your presence, that we might, if not now, in a coming day to, as the one confession of faith puts it, to love God and to enjoy him forever. We're looking forward to that day because we're not quite ready yet to 
experience it as we ought. We just ask for your blessing on the remainder of our day. In Jesus' name, amen.